Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Artwalks, kids' shoes based on kids' books. They launched their first line of shoes with six designs by three artists, John Clausen, Scott C., and Joey Chu. Get your own pair along with other great baby shower gifts by supporting them on Kickstarter. To check out their campaign, click on the link in the show notes for this episode at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast, or scroll down to find the link in the show notes displaying on the app you're listening to right now. Support also comes from the Highlights Foundation. The Highlights Foundation is excited to be hosting an important event this June 14 to 16, Building Cultural Competency in Today's Children's Publishing Industry, a working symposium. They've put together a stellar faculty of changemakers to guide you, including Edith Campbell, librarian and social justice advocate, Dr. Debbie Reese, educator and author, Renee Watson, author, educator, and activist, Paula Yu, author and TV writer-producer, Dr. Laura Jimenez, educator and reviewer, and Dr. Marisala Jimenez-Garcia, author and educator. Space is limited, so be sure to register for this exciting workshop symposium today. Visit highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. That's highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. Um, I mean, actually, I mean, I've been a fangirl a little bit, but I think what I like mostly about your podcast is, one, you are so clearly a fan, but two, you also kind of like, I don't know whether or not you realize it, but in the, the podcast you do with artists, it's nice how aware you are of what the artist is trying to achieve. You know, I mean, mm. I've had lots of interviews where um, the interviewer um, is talking more from the story point of view, and they, oh, okay. they're not actually appreciating the technical perspective of it, um, the, the way the images are, are laid out, how the medium that it's done. Like, I listened to the one you did with Lauren, and I was, I was just, I just kept laughing because I'm like, when have I ever heard anyone talking about <laughs> foam printing so much before? You know, like I've never heard that as much before, and it's. It's it's nice because I think it's something um, I've, I don't think I've ever met Lauren, but had I ever met her, I would have wanted to grill her on her technique. On the same thing. Yeah, on the same thing. It's not like, hey, I got on a podcast. Next time I meet her, I'll just go for a drink with her. You know, it's great. <laughs> the simpler the book, the more precise the story and the illustrations need to be. Have you come across deceptively simple picture books? Have you taken a moment to revel in their complexity? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 509. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Lewin Pham. 
illustrator of over 100 books for children. You have no doubt encountered Wynne's work, whether through the best-selling Princess in Black series, written by Shannon and Dean Hale, Anne-Marie Pachi's Vampirina Ballerina series, which was adapted into a hit show on Disney, the itchy book in Elephant and Piggy Presents title, Stop That Yawn by Karen Levis, Grace for President by Kelly DiPuccio, or any number of countless others. Wynne is constantly challenging and exploring her voice as an illustrator, giving each book its own unique look and feel in service of the story. We also talk at length about Bear Came Along, Wynne's upcoming picture book with Richard T. Morris. The conversation will leave you with a clear sense of how Wynne approaches visual storytelling and how she continues to learn and grow as an artist. Please welcome my guest, Lewin Pham, illustrator of the Princess in Black series. Uh, hi, my name is Lewin Pham. I am the author, illustrator, creator, say, of over 100 books for children. I think we're at 110 now, actually. This is the year. Um, I'm the creator of uh, many, many series that you might know. Uh, the mo- one of the most popular is the Princess in Black series with Shannon and Dean Hale. Um, I'm also the uh, creator of the Vampirina Ballerina series with Anne-Marie Pachi, which is now a Disney TV show that I haven't watched yet, I have to admit. <laughs> and um, I'm the illustrator of the Alvin Ho series um, with Lenore Look. Um, oh my gosh, I've done Grace for President with Grace uh, with Kelly DiPuccio, um, and we've actually got the sequel to that coming out this year. Oh my gosh, I've done so many books, I can't remember them all. I, I'm I'm just, I'm a book creator. That's all I am. <laughs> oh, Wynn, I'm so glad that, one, that you've worked all across children's literature, but two, that I can just hear it on your face that you're just smiling about the work you've done. <laughs> That's wonderful. You've got a legacy behind you and and one continuing forward. And, and I think that that's really awesome. So I'm glad that that I know you from, I mean, as you're saying, you're working with all these different artists or all these different authors. I know you from all over our library. But as I said to you before recording, I know your art. I think that um, you have an identifiable voice in your art. And, um, and I think about books like Real Friends, or I think about books yeah. like Stop That Yawn, or of the Princess in yeah. Black series, or of Kelly, of, of Grace for President. Um, and I, I know that it's you. And there's something also really comforting about that, knowing knowing that the same person is taking care of, of so many different readers because you're just all over our library. Oh, so that's actually really nice to hear because I, I can't, I, I feel like they're different every time. And it's you, always yeah. lovely. <laughs> it's, it always, it's really lovely when someone comes to me and says, I still see you in that piece. And I'm just, I'm just so, yeah. so happy to know something is coming through that's me <laughs> I'm always trying to erase myself and so it's nice to see that some something is, is connecting in each of the books and coming out the same way and that's just lovely to know <laughs> can't escape yourself and you're working at a pace too though where I mean people have commented on on how prolific you are I think that when you're creating at that pace there is sort of a fear of of maybe losing yourself or of of um I don't know falling into some old habit or something but but what I see, in your work affirmed over and over is is reinvention is exploration it looks like you you feel comfortable with trying things out and 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 trying to find the right voice in the medium you're using to match the words and the feel of that story is that fair to say 
That's fair. I, I, I used to describe myself as a very schizophrenic artist. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's, it's a good thing, actually. Um, I remember when I first started in children's books, uh, Marla Frizee, you of course, you know, Marla, yeah. um, she was my teacher at uh, Art Center College and she was amazing and fabulous. And she taught me, she was really the one who, who taught me everything about how a book is supposed to work and read and um, introduced me to the, the real world of what the children's book world is. Um, and she had a very distinct style. And she used to say like, yeah, you, you really got to go out there with a specific style. And it was, it was sort of the belief amongst all artists, I, I felt like at the time. Um, that you go out, you make your name with a particular look. And I just couldn't do that for some reason. I think because I'm so, I'm so drawn by so much of what I see and I'm, I'm constantly wanting to change and I get bored very fast with doing something one way all the time. Um, and I feel stagnant I think um as an artist it's it's very selfish what it is that I'm doing here this isn't for the benefit of the reader it's really for the benefit of me wanting to be excited about what it is that I do so that I can always um bring something interesting to the audience um and so it's 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 a fun challenge for me but it means that every time I start a book I feel like I'm starting over again and there's a week a solid week of paralysis where I don't know what I'm doing and I, I sit and I pound my head against the table and I have my my fearful meltdowns and and I, I go through the, the the anxiety of what am I doing am I any good I'm no good I, I can't do and um, I go through that stage and somehow out of that self-inflicted torture something new comes out that makes me <laughs> want to continue that makes me want to keep doing it and uh I, I don't know exactly why I do that to myself, but I, all I know is that now I'm, I'm so used to that, that week of anxiety that it's almost like I prepare myself for it mentally when I know it's coming up. I have my coffee mugs all ready to go. I have my friends that I need to call when I'm, when I'm really down. My husband knows to stay out of my way during that time. And, uh, and, um, and then I, I go through it and, and then I come out something with something that I feel uh, better about or maybe not even better, but that, um, I feel is, is something that, that stretches me a little bit further uh, as an artist. And it's, it's great. It's great that I, I'm allowed, oh, wow, that I'm allowed to do this because I, I think each time my publishers get a little freaked out <laughs> about what to expect and, um, and I never want to disappoint them. So I'm, I'm glad that so far I haven't encountered much, um, much force against it, much discouragement from that. Well, I'm glad that you can identify that part of your process because then you can own it and, not feel well in the moment you can feel freaked out but maybe with that hindsight or foresight i suppose you can have you can you can know that that is a thing that's a reliable part of the process that you will get through it you have gotten through it so many times before i wonder in that time though of of panicking or in discovery or floundering or whatever the words are i wonder um what your search looks like do you find that like, have you ever gone through probably in a hundred books you have, but have you ever, have you yeah. ever gone through a, 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 a significant part of illustrating or sketching a book in a particular style only to ditch the whole thing? Or are you exploring more mentally or in like really, really basic <laughs> sketches? Like how, how deep are you getting before, <laughs> before changing oh, things? There are times when I get really deep. There are very, very few times where like, Venus on the on the seashore that it just comes into my head. It's it's very mm. rare that that happens. Um, it's more often the case that 
I sit and I'll draw one way and then I'll realize, no, I've, I've, I've done this or this is too similar. And then I'll, I'll scratch the whole thing. I've actually once early on in my career, I did an entire book in one style, the whole thing. And right before I handed it in, I scraped the whole thing. I just, I couldn't take it. I didn't think it was right. I didn't think it worked. And I had to call the editor and, and tell her, I, I'm so sorry. I have this ready to deliver. I need another month. I need you to give me another month to do this. Wow. And I was very lucky because she is a friend of mine and she, um, she understood sort of what I was trying to do. And it wasn't a very big book that I was, um, that I was illustrating. It was earlier in my career. And so I had more space to, to experiment um, but she let me do it, and I was so happy she did. And the book ended up going on and, and doing um, fairly well and getting more yeah. notice. And I think it was because she just gave me that that chance to to try it out a little bit. So no, I I, I absolutely end up doing full paintings and then toss them completely. And even as, even as recently as Stop That Yawn, I had started that book out as well in one completely different medium. I did a couple spreads, and then I just didn't like the way it was going and said, you know what, I, I can't do this. I, I, I'm early enough in the process that I can change my mind again. Um, yeah, it, it happens often. It's it's That's not crazy. an easy process. Yeah. Your style? I should have a gallery show of all of my, right? my mistakes. That would be great. <laughs> Ooh, could you even call that gallery show all of my mistakes? Because that is <laughs> an awesome title. I think Stop That Yawn is some of my favorite work from you. I just felt like the palette you were playing with on that was beautiful. And especially whatever you call it, like the camera shots, the, the angles down. That was very um, Peter yeah. Pan-esque. I remember <laughs> from my childhood watching Peter Pan for the first time and, and how cool it was to see um, those like bird's eye shots of them flying over London. And there were lots yeah. of moments that felt like that in Stop That Yawn, probably because we were running through an entire city because the the, the mm -hmm. ground we had to cover was so much bigger. Um, but that that is a really, really fun story to follow. Thank you. That one, that one was a, that one was a lot of fun, actually. It went through a few iterations and it took me a while to get, to get what I wanted from it. That was one of those few books where I, I had a, an idea of what I wanted, but for the idea to come out, it, it took a while. It was really a lot of scraping and I don't want to say soul searching. That sounds corny, but it was, um, it was adventurous illustrating for sure. Cool. It, 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 it took me to some places that I, I hadn't been before and it made me look at a lot of different artists and um and it was it was also at a time where um I think at that time it was a couple of years ago it was a weird time politically in the in the universe and there were a lot of um of, of these like girl power stories that I was getting inundated with and I didn't have any just simple fun enjoyable genuine picture stories anymore do you know what I mean like with that classic kind of feel to it and that was the moment when I said I've got to make this book look more like a like a classical book more like in, in the night kitchen or little Nemo yeah. like I, I just wanted to draw back oh to little time. Nemo yeah yes. there's a lot of reference to little Nemo in that book you can actually see some of the characters um I, I actually took straight from the from, from the original comics and it's just it was a lot of fun to to put in all these tiny little references I don't think many people noticed but now now, now you, Matthew, you can go through and look for them yourself exactly I read the comic I read no let's go backwards I played the video game, the Nintendo game, and then <laughs> found the comic because of that in all of my, like, that was around the age when I was like discovering comics and was like, oh my word, it's all, it's all here. Yeah. 
So what about, <laughs> and maybe this is part of your process too, thinking about what style could lend itself to not just a single book, but to, to multiple. I think about the Princess in Black series, you mm-hmm. knew that that would be a series going into it, but maybe Vampirina, you and Anne-Marie did not. Are you, are you, are you, um, are you approaching your art thinking about, would this be viable for, for, for multiple books or are you really just taking it one book at a time or maybe it's different I suppose it's it's usually different for the for Princess in Black I knew going in that was meant to be a series and um, knowing that um, I knew it had to be uh, a style that I could do very well and very quickly quickly and that I could that I could that it appealed more to the classical feel of books so I knew it had to be traditionally done I knew it had to be in watercolor um, I knew that um, it had to have sort of a modern punch. So I've got a lot of um, inks that I put into it. So sort of those uh, Doc Martin inks, which are really, really, really pungent colors. Um, they, they go on the paper and they stay down and they stay super bright. Um, so that helped to to pull from the, the classical look of the watercolor. Um, but that one, I definitely went in knowing I, I need this to be a look that I can do well and quick. And, and, and it's got that old time feel. And um, Shannon and Dean, I mean, Shannon and I have been friends for a while. And I, I know I must have told the story, but I, I love that woman. She's just, I don't know how we existed for so long and didn't know each other. And we talk about that constantly. Oh. Had we known each other as children, we would have been such good friends and we would have been making <laughs> comic books, you know, in the crib, I'm sure. Um, but she was, uh, when, when they offered me this story, um, this series, it was, uh, it was one of those deals where I, I didn't even see the script. I didn't even look at it. I just saw that her name was attached. And uh, my, my agent was trying to get me to be a little um, more prudent and say, you know, you haven't got a lot of time. You're booked up for this. Uh, but the minute she said Shannon's name, I said, yes, absolutely. Anything Shannon sends, um, I don't care. And Shannon calls me a little later and she's like, oh my gosh, we're going to work together. And I said, yeah, what's it about? Because I hadn't even read it. <laughs> um, I just knew I was going to do it. Um, so when she, when I did finally read it, and of course it's about the princess in black and um I was that little kid, you know, that liked to dress up as Princess, not Princess Leia, but like as Han Solo. Yes. I wanted to be the guy. <laughs> I wanted to be the one that was always had the gun or that was fighting or that was dueling with someone. Um, so I was so happy that this was a story that got to appeal to both sides of that nature of childhood of like of the sweeter, kinder side. And then you can turn and you can become this great superhero. It was just it was such an appealing concept for me. And I just kept wondering, like, how didn't someone not do this already? Like, how could this concept have been out there and no one took it? Um, So for that book, uh, that style, um, going back to your original question, it was it was very much intended to be something I could do well. You knew you could do it over time. I knew I could do it over time and that I wouldn't get bored with that style. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Support also comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their books several times on the podcast and through blog posts, but now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit baratbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the code READINGISRAD. 
That's baratbabies.com, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S.com. Offer code READING IS RAD. Um, but the books like Vampirina, like anything else that I approach, like I don't know if it's going to be made into anything else. Um, I don't. I do it as a one of, and I'm always a little surprised when they come back and say, "Hey, let's do a sequel of it." And and I've I've said no a few a couple times to books where they wanted a sequel, and I just didn't think I could do it again. Okay. Um, but Vampirina was one um, because that story was really personal to me. Um, I know when Anne Marie sent me the script, it was it was just a, an instruction manual, and it, she didn't have a story attached to it. And even the editor, um, Kevin Lewis from Hyperion, he had no idea what to make of it. Um, and he just kept saying, like, when, what kind of story do you see in this? And <laughs> for me, the minute I saw that, um, it was the story of an outsider right away. I mean, in the premise, you're a vampire trying to be a ballerina. It's not exactly what you're designed to do. Um, but it, it, it just struck that chord in me um, when I was a kid and I took ballet classes and I was, you know, an immigrant from Vietnam, and I remember showing up in the class um, on the first day, being very excited. But I wore gym shorts and a t-shirt and long gymnastic socks because that's what I thought you wore. And all these little girls wore these um, beautiful little um, leotards and their little white stockings, and they had perfect little ballet shoes. And I had to go to my dad to tell him. I think I was all of six years old, and I told him I need these ballet shoes. I need, I need this outfit. And my poor dad didn't know what a leotard was. <laughs> he didn't know what a tutu was. And he, I think he, he proceeded to go to Kmart and he bought, <laughs> he bought a, <laughs> what, like a disco outfit, like a disco skirt oh, skate no. dress oh, no. with these stripes, these, these blazing stripes across it. And the worst was there was um, a decal of uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial <laughs> just emblazoned across the chest with the oh, words God. underneath be my friend and it was oh it was just horrible and I, I had to wear it and that was my tutu and I stuck out like a sore thumb and the girls made fun of me and so the whole book was was an ode to that time that class and I even dedicate the book to my dad because my dad said it doesn't matter what you wear it just matters how you dance and um and that that became Vampirina Ballerina for me. And it was just, it was, it was, <laughs> I can't believe I just told that story. My dad's probably so That's so now. sweet. Go, Dad. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you wear. Go, Dad. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, before we transition, <laughs> I want to transition to a new picture book you have coming out. But I want to um, first spend just a second on Vampirina and on Princess in Black. I, I love mm-hmm. uh, to note about princess in black not only were you mentioning with shannon and dean's story that it was sort of surprising that it hadn't been done before but mm-hmm. i also find surprising and love about the series that just the way that the treatment of how we handle a monster how we yeah. solve problems is just sort of treated differently and in a way that i'm like why why haven't why were we just following tropes before why haven't we just answered situations oh. like this it just seems it yeah. in a beautiful beautiful way and i think maybe the best books do this it seemed obvious and that i think is what makes the story so <laughs> believable yeah. shannon and dean i don't know how they do it honestly and 
I don't know if you've ever had them on the podcast before. Have you had them on before? I have not. Shannon, I'll be meeting at ALA and I'm so excited about it. I don't (laughs) think I've ever met either in real life though. So those, those two, they took improv classes together. So they work as a unit when they go on to perform. I mean, Shannon, of course, is is a writer in her own rights and she does, she, she's amazing to listen to, but I've only worked with them together and they are hilarious. And I can only guess that the way that they are when they perform in front of audiences and when they're talking with each other, they, they know each other inside and out and they, they know when to, when to come in and when to pull back. Um, I'm guessing that same dance is how they dance these books when they're writing them. And they once told me, or Dean once told me that the secret behind writing the monsters is that the monsters are just big toddlers. Oh, of course. Yeah. And what do you do when this monster toddler child does something and you don't want to hurt them? You need to teach them right. But they don't have any sense of morality. They don't have any sense of what's right or wrong. So you've got to find a way to, to battle with them, to get them to heed. And that's that's the secret to those books. That's how that's how they write them. And I just thought that was so funny. And knowing that, and that was something that uh, they mentioned to me before I started illustrating them. Um, I envisioned the monsters in that way that they were never going to be terrifying. They were always going to be goofy. They were always going to be funny. They were always going to be essentially very large children. Um, that's amazing. Taught simple, isn't it wonderful? It's, it's such a great way to to approach this whole story. It's great. It's the, yeah, it's the sword and the stone. It's the witch who just yes. hates sunshine. <laughs> the whole thing is I hate sunshine. You're a big toddler. You're just a big toddler. Yeah, it's amazing. I also know that they tried to torture me constantly by coming up with (laughs) concepts that are impossible to draw. And then they just cackle evilly to themselves and say, let's just add this to the list of things that we're going to make Windu. And then I've I've got, I'm faced with, all right, how do I make a bunny monster out of a hundred thousand purple bunnies that come together and form one large monster like how do you do that i I don't know but somehow somehow i pull it off (laughs) yeah like octopus lava monster well actually where i was going to go with it too (laughs) is just to say with vampirina with princess in black and a couple of your other books i really love i don't know if you have um if you're if you're drawn to fashion or just have a style sense because again i haven't met you but um (laughs) your characters are styled really well um, mm-hmm. the, especially the, the, in the, the, the wide cast you have in princess in black, all of her princess friends, their, their styling is also a voice for them. Yeah, um, yeah. and, and that I, I'm, I'm sure it was intentional, but just, just that that is something that is on your mind as you're making that art vampirina, um, likewise is there, yeah. <laughs> she is dressed as in my opinion, a girl who is drawn to Ballet. I have a dancer in my house. My four-year-old loves certain. She wears certain things when she's going to dance, um, mm-hmm. and it just feels like you have a sense of 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 that identity through fashion. I do. It's it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, there was a book. Um, I did this series, the Purple Face Strawberry series, with Julianne Moore. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I <forget laughs> and uh, it's, it's it was a little while ago, um, but Julie Julie was great. And when I was doing that particular story i remember thinking i wanted to make this this cool this girl like kind of a cool girl and it was one of the first times i got a manuscript where i got to where the character was was actually very simple she was she was a little girl there was nothing 
terribly significant about her other than her red hair and her freckles. And I just went to town designing all these really fun little outfits for her and um, just enjoyed big, I, I will admit, like I love clothes myself and I do love fashion and I do, I do love uh, designing those elements uh, for characters to make them look somewhat unique or to give them more of a um, cultural flavor. So in Princess in Black, the, all the princesses, they all have their own countries that I decided that they came from and then their clothes would reflect those countries. And that's part of me and doing diverse books for forever and ever and ever. Um, but the fashion is such a great part of that. It's to be able to to have some fun and to put them in, in cool clothes that I think kids like, but that aren't super lady gaga style things you know what i mean they're they're they're, they're kid centric and yeah. they're kids that clothes would wear and that they could identify with and that are comfortable um but that also bring out the force of that character in a way um that just their face alone can't do and that's that's a lot of fun it's all part of designing the personality of each of those characters well so let's stick with design and go with with color stories next i think is maybe where my brain is going because if we follow your next picture book if we follow into bear came along the the new book that that you have with richard t morris um in this story let me just i guess summarize it quick for for folks when they encounter it that it's a story of a well it's seemingly i suppose a story of a river and of of the story growing as individuals encounter the river and then encounter the things in the river, uh, mm-hmm. in particular a bear, a bear encountering a log and then one thing begatting the next. Um, but in this winding, lovely story, the work you're doing in illustration is is to me sort of like this wonderful Fantasia thing that you're like lighting up the different characters as they come into the story that primarily the illustrations are awash in black and white. And just, just the river, that blue is, is, is the spot that our eyes are drawn to. Yeah. This one, this book's really special. Um, it's part of the reason I, I was, I was hoping to, to be able to mention as well. Um, it's just one of those few books where when I got the script, I, this one, I knew what it was supposed to look like right away. And I was just, I was anxious to, to, to get on it as quickly as I could, because I could see it really clearly. You knew it. Um, mm. I knew it. I knew it. it. It just, it came from my head exactly the way it was supposed to, the way I envisioned it. Um, but this story was just a great one, because if you know Richard's books, he's a really funny guy. He's really, really hilarious. And his scripts are uh, like lean heavily on that humor quite a bit and sort of that meta quality of his books. Um, and when I got the script, it was such a, quiet script and I think the editor Alvina I think even when she sent it to me she was a little nervous she's like you know I I I hope you get what the story is and if you look at it it's it's a very sparse story it's really simple and um um easy that the the refrain is once there was a river it didn't know it was a river until bear came along and then uh, bear falls into the river and he encounters frog and frog uh joins him on this quest and they discover turtle and as they're going along this um this sort of adventure um these new these new characters keep encountering them and each of these characters have their own sort of distinct personality right and the idea for me the reason why the story struck home with me was, again, it was, um, I got the script right at a time when um, politically in the United States, things were all insane and crazy. And there was so much, there's so much tribalism going on. And um, 
I, I wanted to find stories about coming together and about understanding, hey, we're all on the same page. We're all the same team here. Uh, we're not against each other. And if we're against each other, we, it doesn't work. And then along comes the script that basically says just that, simply with animals. We're all in this river. We're all in this world. We all come together. When we come together, great things happen. Yes. And it's it, this, so this, this, in this story, the characters all come together. They encounter this waterfall. I'm not going to tell you what happens at the end, but um, the, uh, but the climax of the story, it goes from the beginning where everything is, is in black and white and very simple and color is introduced slowly to the very last spread where everything is in full color. And you realize that we all are part of this world and it's what makes us beautiful is to all come together and be as one. And it was, it was a very simple way of telling a very simple truth that it's really hard to find stories like that when you're doing picture books because picture books can either be too wordy, can be too, they're talking down to kids. Um, they're trying to instruct a lesson and this one didn't give a lesson as much as it painted a picture mm. and it allows the reader to walk away with what it is that they want to take away. And, um, and for me, it's just, it was, it just came at such a, a good time. Like it was a, it was a healing book. It helped me to feel better about what was going on in the world and, um, and make, I don't know, it just, it, it made me feel like I was more united with people and I'm hoping that people are going to see the book the same way. I love that it affirms that we all light up the world and your your end papers are so obvious in that way. And I'm saying that like nearly crying because it's beautiful that as the colors come in, you just, it's subtle <laughs> and subtle until the I'm... end. And I also loved the, if, if I go back to Richard's words, it's sort of this, for me, this message that it's the journey who tells us who we are. If I can mm -hmm. read, if I read, do you mind if I read a little bit to you? Is that okay? Please do. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the text reads, once there was a river that flowed night and day, but it didn't know it was a river until Bear came along. Bear was just being curious when he realized what the river could do, but he didn't know he was on an adventure until Froggy hopped on. Froggy was a lonely frog who was looking for a friend, but she didn't know how many she had until Turtle showed up. And all of that, I didn't know I was a leader. I didn't know I was an adventurer. I didn't know I was on a journey until I realized through the company of others, through the reflection of our own life, you know, as reflected on the faces and experience of others, I didn't realize where I was until I realized my position in the context of others. There are not many stories doing that, as you're saying, but there's yeah. something really, really life-giving and life-affirming in Richard's story. And I'm glad that you were able to handle it with such restraint. I personally really love the um, seeing your, your brush stroke and seeing your pencil um, marks in this book. I love how finely textured bear is and turtle's shell is and <laughs> the river's flow is everything is so is is just so um so finely textured and so um those lines um are pointing constantly to to frame the characters and to and to frame sometimes how wobbly our journey is and sometimes <laughs> to give stability and and i think that 
those intentions that you've built into this story allow all of us readers to know that like, hey, we're we're okay on this journey. And even if if our face is Bear's face freaking out, we have faces around <laughs> us that maybe are are the ones to hold on to. Yeah. It's it's actually funny. If you do look at the end pages and you squint, if you see a shape there, it's intentional. It's meant to be the United States. And it's really subtle. <laughs> but you can see we're in the but corner there's see. Lord, yeah, it's 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 yeah, funny. where Maine and New England comes up, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> and now that I'm looking for it, I see it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and it's, um, but Richard did, like I said, because if you know him as a writer, and he's like I said, he he's really funny, and this book is really restrained in that way, and it's it's one of the more generous manuscripts I think I've ever gotten because it's basically a story that says I need the pictures to tell this. Yeah. Like I, I, I need it in a way that uh that you don't normally need. Um and a lot of writers I think that's why they mistake picture books as such an easy book to write and then they're <laughs> and then they're they're horrified to discover, oh my god, it's actually one of the most difficult mediums because the simpler something is, the more you whittle it down to fewer elements, the more precise those elements have to be. And so I would say this is one of the most precise stories I've ever gotten and uh and the jumping off point that it, it let me go towards and it it did let me have a lot of fun with textures and colors and um and i i work in like i said all mediums and i i do a lot of digital work as well and um this was one where right away i, I needed to feel the the texture the coarseness of the paper underhand and i needed to see all the mistakes that could happen and all the happy little accidents and um, and I'm I'm I, I'm so controlled in so much of what I do with my art. I have to be to, or in order to produce as many books as I do. Mm. And and this one was a nice one because I sort of let myself go out of control, and I let a lot of things just slip and slide across the page, and and just waited to see how they were going to end up. And it was uh, it was just I don't know it was just a really fun book to do. It it just means a lot to me. So I like that in the conclusion of the story um, that that you and Richard have each left notes for the readers, because I feel that it allows us to see you, but also it was a nice quiet spot to just reflect. You gave us just water underneath that we are on (laughs) those rivers. We are on a river on a journey of our own. Right. Um, And, and I found, I found that really poignant to have those, those, those note sections and to even to read and think, uh, I'm not on the same journey that you are, but but it's neat that that there are moments that overlap. It just caused me, I think, to mm-hmm. to reflect even more deeply. So all of the design in this, all of those intentions um, that that you and Richard and the publisher took, uh, I think, are, are really beautiful. I loved if I could just point it out. I didn't see the uh, the America thing, but what I did see <laughs> is after the waterfall moment, I saw that you left a section of the forest gray that mm-hmm. there's there's space for others to come into this journey to come into their own story and and that reminder after so much is just full color it it, it just saves space you know mm-hmm. it's those moments that are intentional that are, that are so beautiful thank you i love you you're just so easy to <laughs> to talk to <laughs> i get to spend my life looking at books like this and then trying to articulate to children do you see how gorgeous this is 
And look, you have to turn the book the other way when they all fall down the waterfall, which makes the waterfall feel even taller. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. The um, the uh, I can't. I don't even know where to go next with you. Of, of this book, or of like your career, or of life, or of stuff coming up. When what didn't we talk about that you want to make sure we we mentioned before ending our conversation today? Oh, gosh. I mean, we'll have like a hundred <laughs> more conversations in the future that we can talk about all the things. But before we leave today, is there anything else about about um, Bear Came Along or about Princess in Black or anything in particular that you want to mention? I'll mention for those that aren't aware, um, I loved Real Friends. I love the comic you did with Shannon. Oh, yeah. And I was so excited. I got a little like mini galley, whatever you call it. Like it was like a yeah, 10 page. Blad. Oh, what does Blad stand for? Gosh, what does it stand for? Does it stand for something? It does stand okay. for something enough. I can Google it. it. But a little Black. like short, short preview of best friends. Uh, sort of to say, there's a new one coming out. We'll show you a couple yeah. pages. Yes, yes. There's, uh, there's God, I actually have a few projects. I have that and Grace Co- Grace Goes to Washington, the sequel to Grace Replacement. It's coming, yeah. Um, which is coming. Uh, but Best Friends is the sequel to Real Friends. And um, that was another one that, um, like I said, Shannon and I are just kindred spirits. And uh, doing Real Friends was a really tough book oh boy that was a hard book to do uh because the story itself was difficult and it was her experiences were really similar to some experiences that i'd had and so i i I tapped into a lot of dark spaces to do that first Mm. book and then uh when the second when she had the second book ready to go she wanted to do about sixth grade and i thought well you know she's already had all this horrible stuff happen and how much more could happen and then she sends me her sixth grade year and it's um it's sixth grade is one of those seminal years in your life, you know, where you you start to just you you start to become who you are going to be in this in your sixth grade year. You you start to question who your friends are and who you want to be around, and you're making actual decisions based on who you are and not how other people um, are projecting you or wanting you to be or expecting you to be. And that's the the lovely thing about this new book, Best Friends, um, is Shannon. She has control now, but she hasn't got control of her entire environment. And she she faces um, all the difficulties of sixth grade of being um, of having a crush on a boy, of having to deal with more peer pressure, of having to 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 deal with anxiety. A large part of this book is about Shannon um, dealing with her anxiety and her acknowledgement of herself as a as a writer, as an artist, and um, that all comes to play in this book. And it's it's great. I actually think it's better than real friends. It's more painful in a lot of ways, but it's, it's better uh, because she, she gets to be the impetus of her actions. She, she gets to make these decisions um, herself rather than um, being, rather than feeling the results of other people's actions upon her. And it makes her a stronger character and it makes her a character that I think kids are going to want to be attracted to because because it's the sixth grade year and it's what you, it's what you need to be doing to become who you're going to be. Mm. Um, and it's for that, it's, it's, it's one of those books that again was so, so hard to illustrate. And it, it came at a tough time in my life because there were a lot of things going on in um, just my own personal sphere. And um, to have to do this book, which they're mammoth compared to picture books, graphic novels, they are right. such massive endeavors and they, they tap your soul in a way that, picture books I, I once described it like this a picture book is sort of like cruising over a lovely landscape and and picking exactly what you want to frame and a graphic novel is 
like feet on the floor, camera ready, gorilla style. You capture everything up close. And the intensity of the graphic novel is just so different than a picture book. And I, I'm just generally wiped out afterwards. Um, but it's it's so much more rewarding in a lot of ways and a lot more vulnerable. You just expose a lot more of who you are and how you you see things through graphic novels. So that's uh, that's Best Friends. And, and I'm hoping kids will will like it like they did with Real Friends and, you know, keep wanting to see more of Shannon. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know. I have so many projects coming out. I can't even say it. this is horrible. But Well, I hope that for all the things that you're working on, that you continue to discover and to search yourself and to find joy and surprise and elation in, in the, 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 the art that you're making and the way that you're bringing color and light and life to the story. And really, I, I, I just want to say thanks. You're such a terrific company, but hearing you talk about your process and, and thoughts behind everything uh, it just, just really makes me feel like you're taking care of me and all of us readers as we read your books, and that's that. That makes me feel quite special. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, and it's uh, it's actually a lot of fun to talk to you. Really, gosh, I feel like I could kept going on, but I should really shut up at some point. <laughs> we'll, we'll save it for next time. And why don't we? Why don't yeah. we end right where we are with our readers? And I'll say that I will see. And I think you maybe heard them outside already. <laughs> but I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Um, and so I'm wondering if there's a message I might bring to them from you. Oh, boy. Keep keep reading. You never know the stories that you're living now are going to be stories that are going to be on paper tomorrow. And, uh, and just love books <laughs> that's silly but yeah but love books it's when i was a kid it was books are what saved me and i'm just hoping that some of my books are going to save some kids out there too this is mariana llanos author of the books tristan wolf and poesia alada among others the children's book podcast is recorded and produced by matthew winner in his library studio in ellicott city maryland you can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear Care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. 
That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.